through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. How do we begin to change the landscape for millions of American children who are growing up without fathers and many without any positive role models in their lives? Today, you're going to meet visionaries who have stepped in, rolled up their sleeves. Fans of the hit show CSI New York know Hill Harper as Dr. Sheldon Hawks, a brilliant but sensitive crime scene investigator. This accomplished television, movie, and stage actor was named one of People Magazine's sexiest men alive. He graduated magna cum laude from Brown University and then earned a master's in law degree from Harvard. Today, Hill Harper is giving back. In his award-winning book, Letters to a Young Brother, he shares practical advice and lessons he's learned to help young men everywhere. Please welcome Hill Harper. It's a very important show. So explain to us, explain to us the idea behind your book, Letters to a Young Brother. Well, it's it's two different reasons. Because um, you know I'm on a TV show, and because yeah. of educational background, I've been invited to speak at high schools, middle schools, colleges all the time. But what I started to notice. I'd say over the past five or six years that a lot of young men would come up to me and, you know, they never want to be seen asking questions, you know? Yeah. They, they, they kind of look over their shoulder and they say, uh, you know, can I ask you something? And, yeah. and, and, and they would say uh, something like, you know, I'm from a family where no one's ever gone to college. I don't have any money, you yeah. know? I don't, I'm not very good taking standardized tests. But you told me in your talk that I could be anything I want in life. What do I do? I want to go to college. What can I do? And so I started this email exchange with many of them. I give out my email address and it started to balloon and balloon. And I'd get these questions coming back to me, and, and the book is in part a result from that. Really, from the yeah. letters you received? From the letters and questions I received, email, hard mail, and also the fact that I'm part of an entertainment business that I think, and, and I think that you would agree, that has done more to decimate the self-esteem of our young people than anything over the last Certainly 10 years. Certainly has done a lot, because well, that's the standard children try to hold themselves to. Right. Yeah. So I love this on page 17. One of the questions from a young brother, hey, Hill, how come when I sit in the front of the classroom and ask questions, my boys punk me and say, I'm trying to be the teacher's pet. Right. And your answer was? Well, you know, the, 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 the deal is when a lot of those questions were even formed, um, I'm trying to act white. Yeah. They even said that. Yeah. You know, and, and the answer is you can think about education, reformulate your way you, you view education. Yeah. And we, never, we always tell kids, go to school, go to school, go to school. We never tell them why. Yeah. So the answer is you talk about building a foundation. If you have a goal or a dream, yeah. you want to go from A to B. I, I uh -huh. use this thing I call being an active architect of your own life. So yeah. think about how an architect 
creates a structure. Yeah, but what you just said there, that's another whole show that I intend to do at some point on this whole acting white thing. Right. The reason why kids think it's acting white to speak intelligently, to speak articulately, is because they haven't had enough role models to say, Absolutely. look at Frederick Douglass. Look at Martin Luther King. Look at Mary McLeod Bethune. There's a whole Paul line, Paul Robeson. There's, there's a whole line of people yeah. who paved the way for us to be where we are, and they could speak good English. And even individuals that they respect. I yeah. mean, you know, Sean Combs, who I talk to, I say, how come you never talk about the fact you went to Howard University? How come you ever talk about the fact of where your Where I just journey? got my doctorate degree. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Dr. Winfrey. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah. And yeah. so these young people are never taught about journey. They're never yeah. taught about they're never taught about going from here to there and where education fits in that piece of the journey. Hill received a packet of letters from a group of juvenile inmates who had read his book, Letters to Young Brother, and we followed along as he went to meet them in person. Hey, we're down here at the Orange County Jail in Orlando, Florida. And here to talk to some young men that are here. These young men are incarcerated here awaiting trial. All 17 years old and under who could end up in prison. Damon Miller is accused of robbery with a firearm and could go to prison for the rest of his life. He is just 16 years old. Well, now that I read the book, I look at myself differently in like many ways. Like uh, he say, that being balanced is being secure enough to be vulnerable, strong enough to be gentle, wise enough to be humble, and powerful enough to serve others. Hill visits Damon and 28 other young inmates at the Orange County Jail. First in a group meeting, then for the next two and a half hours, Hill goes one-on-one -on -one with each boy. What do you want in your life? You're 16, right? You got so many years. What do you want? I'm just trying to get there first. Get where, though? Get that to that age, I can start thinking like that. You can start thinking about it now. Look me in the eye. You can start thinking about it now. I felt like my dreams been been crushed a long time ago. Ever since the first time I went to jail and got convicted of, of a tort. How long ago was that? When I was 12. You're going to go to trial for a first degree attempted murder? But how do you deal with that? Well, I tried. I can't find a person that can basically really help me to get, get where I, want, I was trying to go. You ever have people tell you that they love you? Yes, sir. All right, well, you got another one. I love you, man. Yes, sir, I love you, too. Wow. Wow. 15 years old, up for first-degree attempted murder. Um, and in the group session, which you didn't see, mm -hmm. I ask a simple question first. Mm -hmm. I say, um, how many of you here have goals and dreams? Mm -hmm. Just simple. He wouldn't put his hand up. And. How many of the kids put their hands up when you asked that question? You know, they all did. He was the only one. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, even though they're incarcerated, even though they're in there, yeah. they still have goals and dreams. Yeah. They yeah. want something. He, he's had his dreams stomped out of him. And by the end of you know, talking to him one-on-one, -on -one, we, we got there. I got him to admit to having a goal, having mm -hmm. a dream. Mm -hmm. Gil is a big brother in the uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters of America program. And is, is, do you think mentoring is the answer? Mentoring is the key. All data suggests that across e 
income, across race, that for a young man, if he has a positive male role model in his life, his chances for success and his educational achievement far outweigh those that don't. And But but we, it's just not about Big Brothers. Big Brothers is great, and I'm yeah. proud to be a Big Brother. But you can be a mentor in so many different ways. Mentorship on paper works. Mentorship yeah. online and, and technology works. Mm -hmm. Mentorship works because they just want answers. Yeah. How do they navigate this journey from boyhood to manhood? Hill Harper's book is called Letters to a Young Brother, Manifest Your Destiny. Thank you. Now I want you to meet a man who says he flat out refuses to allow a generation of children to be lost to indifference. He may not be a familiar face to you, but in central Harlem, one of New York City's poorest neighborhoods, he's become a household name. Meet Jeffrey Canada, the founder of the Harlem Children's Zone, an organization set out to prove that poor black children can and do succeed. Jeffrey adopted a 100-block area of Central Harlem and created programs that help inner-city children from birth through college. We're working with 6,000 kids in the zone, and we're going to grow that over the next five years to 10,000 kids. As one of four boys raised in poverty by a single mother, Jeffrey says at the age of 10, he knew there was a better way. I said, if I ever make it out of here, I'm going to come back and save kids so kids will know that if the adults care for them, he built this $42 million facility to house a progressive, state-of-the-art middle school. They go to school from 8 to 4. Our school year goes through July to the first week of August. My daughter's name is Monet Kitchen. She's always excited. Well, we did this today, and we did art, and I played the violin, and I don't think in other schools she would have had that much enthusiasm. When Jeffrey realized many of his students had no medical care, he built a free health clinic inside the school. One of the major medical reasons our children were not doing well in school was asthma. Being single and always worrying about finances, all the programs are free. I give all my thanks to him. And the lunch program, it's free too. Every day, students eat healthy gourmet meals served in a restaurant-style setting. We've got a huge obesity problem in Harlem, and we've hired our own chef, and he prepares food for all of the children in our schools. The food it doesn't have a lot of fat, it doesn't have a lot of sugar. And just a few blocks away, at Jeffrey's Elementary School, Promise Academy, students are being groomed for success. You want kids really thinking, I'm somebody special. Have them all say it. Look at one another and say that every day, and then you just grow up believing it. We will go to college. We will succeed. This is our promise. This is our dream. We have 160 kids currently in college. We're about to send another 140 kids to college this year. So we're building that pipeline. I just said to Leah the other day, you going to college? What did you say? Yes. Of course I'm going to college. Like, what do you think? That's part of school. This is something that I need to do. Wow. Please welcome Jeffrey Canada. Really. I just want to kiss you. I just want to kiss you. This is what one man has done. One man, what made you think that you could do this on such a large scale? Well, you know, for years, I dreamed of having an opportunity to do something I always thought that this country needed to do. I mean, we've got kids growing up in places people wouldn't be caught dead. Uh, and they're growing up thinking no one cares about them, there's no one, they have no chance at all. Uh, I thought, boy, if I ever get the opportunity, 
uh, I'm going to go in and I'm going to let those kids know that people really care about them. And you know what I found? People really do care. Yeah. A lot of people don't know. I thought I was there by myself and I'd never be able yeah. to get the help. But yeah. people do care. Yeah. They just don't know and they don't believe that there's an answer for yeah. what we can do for them. Well, that's kids. what this show is about. One of Jeffrey's most popular programs in the Harlem Children's Zone is called The Baby College. Good morning, everyone. Every Saturday morning, parents file into these classrooms with babies instead of backpacks. Ah! Are y'all ready? For the past seven years, Baby College has offered free parenting classes for new moms and dads living inside the Harlem Children's Zone. Head and shoulders. You have to sing to this kid. You have to play with this kid. The language our children are exposed to uh, often dictates how those kids will perform in school. Parents learn about health. Chicken pox. Early childhood development. Brain development one. Ah, good. Brain development one. And how to discipline. <laughs> wanted to make sure that families knew uh, the repercussions of spanking their child. I know your grandmother did it. I know your mother did it. I know that. But it doesn't work. You've got to do it in a way that raises this child. I say, honey, oh, you worked so hard on that. That is great. Yeah. Keep doing that. Parents, when you tell them, they say, oh, I get that. How come no one told me? Well, we're telling them. And that message has transformed the lives of hundreds of struggling new parents in Harlem. This is my first child, and I didn't know how to take care of uh, Rashad. And I was saying to myself, how can you not, you know, hit? How can you not yell at him? They told us, take your time and read instead of always yelling. And I started reading bedtime stories to him. Now he reads to me. All I know is that in the future, my son's going to be somebody. He's going to be somebody big. That is so amazing. You know, I've done over the years many shows. Uh, for years, and when I first started, uh, we were doing shows, people arguing about whether to hit your kids or not hit your kids. I said to my producers, I'm not doing a show where you have to argue it, because I know it's wrong to hit your kids. And every time we do those shows, people would say, well, I got beaten. It didn't bother me. Right. And I'd say, you don't know how damaged you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, well, you know, this is one of the, this is one of the, the issues that we have the most action uh, in our baby college over. When we tell parents that there are better ways to discipline a child than spanking and hitting, yeah. uh, we have so many of our children who end up in foster care because their parents lost control. Yeah. Hurt this child. Didn't mean to, yeah, but yeah. hurt this child. And we said, look, there are ways. We figured it out 30 years ago how you can raise a child without hitting, uh, and no one's ever told these parents. And they're skeptical at first, yeah, but yeah, as really. they begin to see it work, they say, you know what, maybe you've got something yeah. there. And the reason they're skeptical is kept skeptical is because of what you said. They were hit, their parents were hit. It, you and know, it goes is, back it to is, slavery. It, it is a clear, clear pattern in our communities that parents say, you know what, it didn't harm me. Yeah. This happened to me and I got a beat. Now my, my mother's here, I'm gonna get in trouble because we, we got a beat too. But but I but but yeah. But people say, well you turned out all right, but you know what, we just didn't know any better then yeah. and we know better now. We really do. Well, the children in Jeffrey's programs are taught uh, Suzuki, violin, chess, martial arts, and they have an investment club. So why do you think all of that is so important to teach these kinds of skills? Here's one of the things we know. 
Uh, if kids grow up thinking the whole world revolves around playing basketball, yeah. right, or jumping rope, and, or and they think, rap music. or writing rap music, they think that's the whole all universe. The kids think they're going to be rappers. That's what they think. Yeah. Let yeah. me bring those kids down to some of our yeah. partners. We have a partnership with Lehman Brothers, where they come in and they teach these kids how to invest their stock. By the way, I just found out. They just told me this yesterday. My kids made fourteen thousand dollars in the stock market this year, which they're going to split <laughs> among one another. Now. Now, look, look, let's say, let's say you're 12 and you're trying to figure out, you, you're a little ambitious, you've got some guts, you've got some courage, you've got some yeah. spunk, yeah. and someone says, uh, look, you want to go in here and sell this package? Yeah. And if you get caught, maybe you'll go to jail. And someone else says, uh, you want to learn these stock names and track this market? And you'll make so much more money than you ever will standing and on that corner. And enjoy you'll be alive. Yeah. And people will say, they've never heard of it before. No one's ever said it. They've not been exposed to it. Our job is to say, there are lots of opportunities out there you don't know about. Well, when you look out at the world, first of all, looking at what you have done, you're an, you're an angel from God. You really are. And when you look at yourself and see what you were able to do with your vision and your courage, and then you see the state of our young people, how do you feel? Yeah. I will tell you, Oprah, I, I have been in an absolute panic about this because I'm getting to the age where I say, if I can't bring a change now, I mean, I'm going to leave here and f leave the world worse than when I came in it. Mm -hmm. My parents were part of the civil rights movement. They struggled around this issue. They tried to give us a chance, and we can't drop the ball right now. My deal is not on my watch. We are not going to let this thing go downhill. When you begin to look at the struggles that people have had to get our young people so they have an opportunity to go to school and make it in this country, for us to now allow this to go downhill because a few people, a few people are setting forth a set of values and morals that will destroy our kids, I think we've got to say no. I really do. Right now, Jeffrey has 6,000 children under his watchful eye. How do you pay for it? Well, you know, our budget this year will be $50 million. Uh, and five I just... Did you say 5 -0? 50 million. Okay. Uh, and I just have to clarify one thing. We've got 6,000 children in one area of Central Harlem, but I have another 4,000 children that we'll work with uh, outside of that area. So we'll work with about 10,000 children in our whole program this year. And we have to raise about $30 million a year. Uh, and if you would have asked me seven years ago, um, how I was planning to pay for this. I told everybody I had a plan. I really did not. Uh, I just, <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. I got that covered. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't. Um, I feel like here's the problem we have in this country. We're losing kids by the tens of thousands, and we save them by the 20s and 30s. It just doesn't add up. Yeah. We've got to save kids by the thousands, and that is going to take a lot of money. A lot of people blanched when I said the number. We've got to go from our budget was $10 million to $50 million in seven years. We've gone out, we've talked to people who have money, who care about these issues, and I thought people didn't. Foundations, other wealthy individuals, a lot of this is being done with private dollars because people realize that in the end, if these kids don't make it, neither will our country. Yeah. And I think that that's been one of the challenges we've yeah. yet to face in America. I think, I think, I think you're right. And I hear that you also, you make a promise to every child. What we, is that? We tell our children and we tell our parents, you stay with us. 
you just, you work with us, you don't give up on us, we won't give up on you, and I will promise that your child will not only go to college, but we will get that child through college. And this is to me, we've got to get these kids through college. You know what, uh, 10 years ago, you'd ask me, I said, well, kids need a high school diploma. With globalization, there is nothing you can do in America with a high school diploma. That's these right. That's kids right. have to graduate yeah. from yeah. college. And That's the message America needs to hear. I think that's the message America needs to hear, that we have not opened up that level of conversation, because what's going to happen to all these children if they don't get educated? Let me, let me tell you something, Oprah, that, for me, is a bit like a curse. It's like I can see into the future. You go into these poor communities. You go into Detroit. You go into Baltimore. You go into a place in Chicago. You look at those kids who are eight and nine, and I can tell you just where they're going to be in 10 or 15 years. They're going to be packed out of penitentiaries. They're going to be on our welfare rolls. You can just look at it and say, why don't we stop this? We know those kids are going there. We can do something about it. It's going to take money. It is. It is going to take willpower and great programs. But this is something we can absolutely do. And we're spending $35,000, dollars $50,000 a year to put these kids in jail when we could save them for a tenth of that. It doesn't make any sense. God bless you, Jeffrey Cash. Thank you. So God much. bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your inspiration. I want you to listen to these startling statistics. A third, one third of black males born today will spend time in prison. 48% of all black children live without their fathers in their home. My next guest says that she is on a mission to change that. For 36 years, Susan Taylor has been the driving force behind Essence Magazine. Today, she says it is time to step up and for all of us to do something. She has asked for my help today to enlist one million people. One million people, we're asking. One million people to become mentors. One million people. That's our goal today. Please welcome Susan Taylor. Oh. So happy to have you. So, you know, I loved uh, saying that it's not on our watch. I love it. I've heard that several times, not on our watch. And you just got tired of it being on our watch. You know, I, I can't live with these statistics, not when we can do better than mm -hmm. this. It, it almost reads over like poor fiction, that in the wealthiest country in the world, we have 30 million people who go to sleep hungry every night. One in eight is poor. We have millions of people without health insurance. Mm. We have failing schools everywhere there are poor people. And what we, what we know is that failing schools are the pipeline to prison. There is absolutely no opportunity for you if you're in a school that is not serving you well. We have, you know, in, in this nation, teachers are paid less than most professionals. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous, yes, you know? Yeah. So what we're saying is, like, I'm not even thinking about the negatives and the statistics. I'm motivated to make a change. Yeah. We're going to enlist a million or more people to just link arms and aims and put each hand on a vulnerable young person's shoulder. That's what That's we're asking. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. You know? So what if I told you, what if I told you that these eight words, it takes a village to raise a child, is already, we've all heard that, right? Yeah. Takes a village. Well, those words are already transforming the lives of children, some children in this country. Susan told us about a miracle that's happening in California. Meet Andre Chevalier, Bill Payton, and Fluke Fluker. In the fall of 2003, they decided something drastic had to be done about the low test scores at their school. The African-American students were at the bottom of the list, and they were even below students that, uh, that had English as a second language. 
We have the conversations with the kids. We know that is not a true reflection of their intelligence. So the teachers called an emergency meeting for all the African-American students to discuss their below-average performance. Sometimes the truth can be brutal. And so the truth for them on that particular day was showing them their test scores, and they were shocked. I think one word to describe what we were feeling was anger. It was really important that we showed everybody that this is not who we are. And so the village nation was born. The village nation comes from the African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. The average parent spends 12 and a half minutes FaceTime a day with their child. And we have three or four times that amount. We, we began to realize that we could maybe make a difference here and do some things with these kids, and in fact, we did. African-American staff members agreed to dedicate extra time to tutoring and mentoring these students to help them achieve academic and social success. At the Village, we use a chant that says, am I my brother's keeper? And the students respond by saying, yes, I am. And what that means is that they take responsibility for their brother and for their sister. And that choice to take responsibility for each other is making a sweeping impact. The Village Nation has helped my daughter improve her grades. For a while there, I didn't think she would graduate. It could be because of the life that we lived, you know. I'm a recovering drug addict, so she just didn't have an interest. And the school here, the Village Nation, they gave her a lot of support. She's come a long ways. We've raised expectations for them tremendously, and they've responded. It's exciting to see that that our kids, no matter what hand they're dealt, that they can do it. That they, that they can, you know, fight against all the obstacles that's put before them. All that they need is an opportunity and all they need is a chance. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, we are! We're joined today now by Bill, Andre, and Fluke, founders of the Village Nation at Cleveland High School in California, along with some of the students and teachers. Hello, everybody! <laughs> okay, I'm sitting here with Susan Taylor and our whole audience. Listen to these results. After less than a year of mentoring, test scores rose 53 points. And in the past... <laughs> and in the past four years, test scores have continued to climb over 100 wow. points. So, wow, yeah, it takes a village, and it did. So were you expecting that kind of a jump, Fluke? No, we were, uh, actually, when we started this thing off, we had no um, indications of that type of a jump. I don't think anybody in the nation had that. Uh, we, our focus was on them making better choices. And um, obviously, the results of the test is a, is a great byproduct of that. Six points would be significant. We went up 53 points. They almost launched an investigation, actually. <laughs> really? Because they wanted to know how you did it. And exactly. if you were asked how you did it, what would you say, Bill? I think that what we were able to go, do go, go. was to create an environment where we, we made, we created discipline by expectation. The idea that we raised the uh, level of expectation for these kids, they went from being disinterested and uninvolved to interested and involved. And so, Susan, why was it you were so drawn to this? Uh, because it works. Yeah. You know, I said there was no additional monies yeah. that were dedicated. No additional monies. No additional monies. We're talking about three dedicated individuals wow. who thought out of the box. Wow. And said problem, for every problem there's a solution. And I think that's what we've all forgotten. You know, so what, mo what created the system? How did you all create the nation? 
Um, one of the things that we did was come together as, as a group of teachers um, and talk to our administration um, to allow us to pull the kids into an assembly and to talk to them about the issues that are affecting our community right now. And when we did that, um, we only had African-American students, teachers, faculty members in there so that we can air our dirty laundry. Uh, you know that when you air your dirty laundry, you don't want other people around. So we had our core group in there, and we hit them with things that, you know, that needed to be changed. We hit them with the test scores. And so they, they accepted the challenge, and they stepped up to it and, and begun to do great things. So I wouldn't want to, uh, that's one of the things I think that lots of us are thinking as we watch, because this isn't a school for all African-American children. You have children of all races in this school. What's been the reaction from the teachers who are non-African-American? What's been the, the reaction from other students about this, this village? Well, the reaction has been wonderful. First of all, everybody accepts what's going on here. Everybody understands the need of it all. And secondly, um, we, we do things like we had a black brown love assembly. We have 4,200 students on this campus. And you're right, we're a small group here, but we're a very powerful group. Our, raising our test scores helped this school to get to the status of, of being a California Distinguished School, which is the highest award you could get in a, a state of California. So everybody stepped up. Bill, Andre, and Fluke are known for their in-your-face approach when it comes to mentoring their students, I'm told, including a recent assembly about using the N-word. And so I share this with all of you who are watching from home because this message, I believe, is so powerful and necessary. Niggas, let's Get go. in here. Let's go, niggas. Put the some people who didn't seem too pleased with being referred to this way. It is not a problem with the word nigga. It's only because, like, as a society, we've adapted to it because we got used to calling each other the N-word so much. But to hear you guys say it, and it's, it's kind of shocking. Why is it shocking? To see our elders call us the N-word. Okay, so it's shocking for me to call you that, but it's okay for you to call each other that. See, we all used to be somebody's niggas. That's my problem. See? And so, to be out on the avenue meant you had to have permission, nigga. You had to have a note, because you used to be Mr. Johnson's niggas, Mr. Hill's niggas, Mr. Smith's niggas, Miss Jones' niggas. And niggas couldn't be out without a note saying that it was okay for them to be there and who they belong to. My problem is, I don't like the word at all because that's not what I'm about. In fact, my goal personally is to remove it from the lexicon, from the everyday language. I, I don't want to use it. Wow. Bill, do you think that approach was successful? I think, that, uh, I think that we've had a tremendous amount of success as far as raising awareness levels. I think that these kids haven't thought about the use of the word. It just rolls off their tongue. But I think what we've done in, uh, in this uh, assembly is to provide a background, a history, a context that creates a better understanding about the derogatory nature of it, the degrading nature of it, the history of hatred associated with it. So now, if nothing else, they're thinking about it. I think Fluke says it best. One of the keys is you might have come in ignorant, okay, but now you know. So either you don't care or you don't want to make a difference, you know. So I think it's, 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 uh, it's important 
that we provided this kind of context uh, for all of the young people that we are in contact with. And I think it does make a difference. So what does this program, the, the fact that you all on your own were able to establish this program that now serves as a, as a, as a leading example for people who choose to think out of the box, for people who get, want to get involved, what message does this have for the rest of the country? I think, I think the, the key message is communication. You know, honestly, I don't think that we talk to young people enough. I don't think we engage them in intellectual dialogue enough. I think we underestimate their abilities. I think, quite possibly, we don't think that they have the ability to talk about something other than the mall or the party. I think the more you engage young people and give them an opportunity to actually critically analyze and think, that you'll see that, uh, that you'll see a tremendous uh, change in, in culture and how they think about themselves, their self-esteem, their self-respect, and how they handle uh, uh, communication with other people. I just think we need to give them an opportunity to do that. I think Bill is so right. And you know what we don't do? We don't listen. Young people are hurting, and not just African-Americans. The elders' village have to step in, take control, and give our young people the kind of love and affirmation that they are hungering for. So what I'm doing is not pointing the finger. I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm saying that together we can solve this. And here's a shining example. We're bringing them to the Essence Music Festival so that these brothers that you see right here will be able to present in front of the tens of thousands of people who will be there, uh -huh. that in your school you can do this too. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cleveland High School. Thank you for being on The Oprah Show. Canada was talking about earlier that literally the future of our country is at stake. This is 28-year-old Latif Piles. He's a barber in Atlanta, and he mm -hmm. found a simple way to mentor the children who live around his barber shop. What do you do? Um, we just uh, get out and play basketball. I bought some goals for the, for the neighborhood, and the kids come out. Uh, they, they come to the shop every day, about, about 10 to 15 of them. They just play ball all day, and they have an opportunity. It's an open-door policy in my barbershop. They come in, talk to me about whatever issues they have, and mm. I just try to be somebody to listen to them and give them positive advice. That's what I, you know, that's what I'm here to do. I love a barber who doesn't cut his hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, what he did was he built a little basketball court. And he yeah. said, my little shop is so tiny. But he put a little hoop back there so that the young boys wouldn't be, what were they using? They were using a wire in the street. Yeah, yeah they, they used an extension you know? cord. Yeah. yeah they oh, used an extension yeah. cord to put up the goals. So um, I just decided to get some, some real basketball goals out there for him. So what do you want to say? What I want to say is I want to say thank you to Dr. Sandra Baxter also, the Department of Education, the National Institute of Literacy, that's made available this wonderful uh, brochure that helps people to get connected and understand what mentoring is all about. But there are so many myths. You know, it's going to take a lot of time. What will I do with, with children? I don't know. You know what? Just be yourself. Yeah, that's what, what Latisha showed us. That's exactly what right. Showed us. Yeah. What I want to say, Oprah, is that it's doable. And that's what I think we don't know. We don't read it in the daily newspaper. We don't see it on the nightly news, that for every problem, there's a solution, and we're the answer. Yeah. So our children, the children are not doing well. Children of any race in this country, they're not doing well. And it's our responsibility as elders to first nurture ourselves, take care of ourselves so that we bring our best selves to parenting and to mentoring. And just from the bottom of my heart and my Essence family's heart, please get involved. Let us save ourselves. The government can't do it. We have to do it. As you said, as people have been saying, not on our watch. We can do better than this. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a Harvard degree or millions of dollars to make a difference in a child's life, as you've seen here today living examples. It just really takes a commitment and a will 
to do better, save a child today. Okay. Marvelous. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. <laughs>